You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan, and are we back in the New York groove? Back in the New York groove, uh, Grump. Uh, quite the road, the road warrior uh, adventure for you, huh? Yeah, I, I uh, rolled out there, and you know we had predicted long ago, uh, before the season even started, that this was going to be a disaster game. Um, I booked the flight anyway because I wanted to check out the city. I wanted to just have a good time. Um, as the rash of injuries and the losers lose syndrome bit hard, I really was regretting <laughs> my decision to go to this game as I was afraid of how people would, um, you know, handle visiting fans. Um, I was a little bit impressed with the amount of people that, that came out. I mean, I figured on my flight, I would see one or two guys. There was a decent amount, but I would say overall there was about, uh, between 10 and 15 percent of the fan base at the stadium was Giants fans yeah I mean you know we're now in the age of StubHub where it's not that hard to get tickets you know 10 15 20 years ago it was very difficult because the season ticket holders didn't sell their tickets as frequently because there was really no market for them you know other than scalpers so now that it's so easy to invest in buying season tickets and just you know throwing you know, two, three, four, five games on StubHub, it's a lot easier to get them. So you're seeing this all around the league. In most cities, it's not, you know, you go to Dallas, and I went to Dallas Giants a couple of years ago. That was a solid 25, 30% Giant fans there. And you see even in Giant Stadium today, especially night games, the mix of people changes. Yeah, I, w- I would say I was. it was a higher amount than I thought, mainly because it's such a big event there. Um, I mean, the the stadium was a 20-minute walk from the city across a bridge, which means with no traffic, it's like a 50-second drive. You know, it's 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 right there. So it's a big deal. Um, all weekend, people were pumped for it. You know, the colors were out. It was a primetime game. I really didn't think that many people were going to sell their tickets. Uh, and, you know, the tickets that I had were terrible. I mean, they were the last row of the highest section and they were still expensive. I mean, that's how much they were going for. So two mile high stadium, huh? <laughs> yeah, really. And that altitude is for real, guys. I mean, I didn't feel much when I got off the plane or anything, but I can tell you just from climbing the steps to my seats, which you know, obviously, like I, I took escalators to get to my section. So I'm just—it's just a regular flight of stairs. I was legitimately winded and had to sit down and catch my breath before I could drink the beer I just got. Like I see you probably had a 12 cases of fat tire before you even got into the stadium too. So b- believe it or not, uh, I was not drunk until after the game. Uh, and that was, that was, I was surprised too, but to, just the way my poor tailgate planning worked out, I didn't get enough alcohol for everybody. So yeah, Denver's one of those cities. It's kind of like Kansas city and, and green Bay where, the football team is as much a social aspect as anything else. You know, the, you know, 
as much as we like going to giant games, you know, the, the 80,000 people at the stadium and those tailgating, New York is such a big city that it, it swallows up, you know, that type of, you know, week to week pride that, you know, a smaller city that really, really, you know, goes nuts for their team does. So it's cool. You get to go out to a city like that, you know, a Denver, a Kansas city, a, you know, a, a Seattle's like that, um, you know, at one time, that was the only game in town, the Broncos, before you know the Nuggets came around and, and baseball and hockey. So, cool scene there. I, I have not been to a game out in Denver yet. Some some point I will. Yeah, um, you're not kidding. It's it's really serious. There's a series of limited edition Ford F-150s that are in Broncos orange. Like, I mean, that's how serious it is. John Elway, um, he owns, I think, five or six or seven uh, different. Um, car dealerships in the greater Denver area. So I would not be shocked if there was some sort of tie in between him and those cars, those trucks. And the, the stadium itself is pretty beautiful. Uh, it's got like this weird, like wave to the outside rim of it. If you see an aerial shot, you'll know what I'm talking about. You know, they, they shoot flames up by like this horse or whatever above the scoreboard whenever they score. But what was really cool and you know, it was, it was loud in there. And I mean, I know you guys think you can hear it on TV, but you can't hear nothing. When I tell you every third down for the first half before before the air got sucked out of that stadium, every third down the Giants had the entire stadium was stamping their feet. It was like a, I, I guess it's supposed to be a stampede, but yeah, that, that shit was loud. The old, the old stadium, the old Mile High, used the 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 one side which when they had the baseball configuration was left field. Those are portable seats, and they came all the way out to where the um, the sideline was. And those those aluminum bleachers. So they used to bang and stamp their feet, and that would just cause the Rocky Mountain Thunder, what they used to call it. So, yeah, I mean, I can't really even describe what it's like because I mean, you know, being as high as I was, I don't know if this made a difference or not, but like I'm feeling the stadium shake, so I can't even imagine what it's like down all the way at the bottom of this bowl. You know what I mean? <clears throat> With all the noise, it was it, super it, loud. Yeah, it's one of the great home field advantages in football between the altitude, between the noise. And between the fact that the Broncos have pretty much been a, an upper echelon team in this league nonstop for the last you know, 25, 30 years. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was quite an experience. I'm, uh, I'm very glad I went, obviously, after they won. But, you know, just as soon as I got to the parking lot, I was, I was pretty glad I went. I, you know, it's a really nice setup. Um, and like I said, it's so close to the city. It was, it was really crazy that, like, you know, I'm sitting in the – in fact, we were in the parking lot and I could see from the parking lot the apartment that I was staying at in the city. Wow. Which is – that's nice. how close it is. Yeah, we were there. Um, we were there this summer. We saw some baseball. We saw the Giants play the Rockies for a weekend and, you know, that whole Lodo area. I'm not sure if you were hanging out there or not, but, like, that's a really – vibrant fun neighborhood you know for good food good lots of breweries all over the place the people are really nice you know it's a it's it's a good town it's definitely it's it's its own place you know it's definitely not new york you know it's kind of like an urban oasis where you know the wilderness and and, and the wild west is like you know just over the mountains so cool place if you ever get a chance to go you know and other giants don't play there very often and usually we get the shippy out of this when we play there so um, you know, if we're back there in seven years, make the trip. Yeah. Good beer scene too if you're into crap beer. There's a good bar scene in general. I mean Yeah. I mean the game might have been the most sober I was the whole time I was there. <laughs> no Jameson room in the uh 
Sport Authority Stadium at Mile High. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I didn't explore the stadium too much. Um, you know, at that point, I, I spent a lot of time in the parking lot, you know, eating food and whatever. So, you know, once we got there, I just kind of found my seat. And, you know, the, the, the saving grace of being up that high, A, is that you get to sit with the real rowdies, which is fun. Um, yeah. You know, I happened to be by a bunch of Giants fans. Uh, I wasn't surrounded by them, but there was, you know, some guys right in front of me, some guy right next to me, cool guys. Um, and what jersey you know, did you wear? I actually, so I had grabbed my Landon Collins jersey, and I was about to pack it when I noticed that I had forgotten I had gotten a brand new Eli Manning jersey, and never wore it. Uh, I got it last year, I, I never wore it, so I was like, you know what, I'll just switch it up and I'll wear Eli. So it's the first time I wore it, and it's a good thing because the guy next to me wore Landon Collins, the guy in front of me wore Landon Collins, and the friend that I went with had a Tiki Barber jersey, but is also 21. So I, I I felt a little bit different. It was nice. Very nice. So let's talk about the game. Let's talk about something exciting for once. Wow. An actual win. You no, know, Grump, you remember that one Seinfeld when George decided he was to do everything the opposite? Whatever <laughs> he thought, he'd do the opposite. You know, black is up is down, black is white. I feel like that's what the Giants were like watching that game. I don't know if it's that or if they, you know, they they finally hit a momentum because I mean, we've discussed this, right? You know, I was tweeting in the parking lot before the game. You know, again, the 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 Niners and the Browns lost again. The two other winless teams continued to lose, um, and they looked bad doing it. I mean, neither one of those games really looked close or competitive, and the Giants just don't feel like they're in that group of teams. I mean. It's not even just looking at it on paper. It's like the way they've competed, the teams they played against, um, some of the plays that they made. It just felt like for some reason there was just something not clicking with this team. And, you yeah, know, of course, was, there, the, the rash of injuries is not going to help them at this point going forward. But Yeah, I mean, they were suffering more from losers lose than they were actually from, you know, a poor collection of talent. Yeah. You know, uh, speaking of injuries, you saw that Romeo Cuaro is now on injured reserve. Right. Um, yeah. Also, that did not play. Uh, Olivier Vernon sat out, I believe, for the first time in his career. Did not I start. Think he did too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sterling Shepard did not play. Also, um, <clears throat> in addition to all the other guys that were sent to IR last week, yeah. um, and there was there was like a whole shift of guys. Um, so. Fans should be happy to see that Travis Rudolph was promoted from the practice squad. Dante Dion was promoted from the practice squad to take DRC's suspension place. Um, Ed Egan was signed was was promoted from the practice squad. It was a guy that I actually thought would benefit from a year in the practice squad and could be Dwayne Harris's replacement as a return guy. Just though I liked the, his shiftiness, the way he moved when I saw him in preseason. But I mean, that's really all I saw. So you know, he got the call. Um, and Tavares King was re-signed and immediately started. I mean, like this this is like watching the second preseason game. The all these are the names we talk about. We're watching games in mid-August. You know, the Tavares Kings and you know you know let's watch that matchup for the last roster spot for wide receiver. Well now guess what? It's October fifteenth. That's our number two receiver. And they're yeah, they're playing in on a primetime Sunday night game. Just the way you draw it up. Well, I guess the big story for me was, and I didn't even know about it until they announced it on TV when the game first started, was that McAdoo had given up his play calling to Mike Sullivan. Uh, Apparently nobody knew that until it was announced on TV. I think a lot of the beat writers were pretty butthurt that they were left out of the loop on that one. Um, You know, I, I guess I can understand that, but at the same time, 
I'm okay with him withholding that information until the game has started. Like, I don't think you want the opposition to know that you're doing something like that. Um, you know, I get it that they're around the building every day and that they should, you know, get some level of inside scoop, but I don't think... Well, you know, media guys, they like to think that they are the story as opposed to, you know, writing the story. So that's something that doesn't surprise me that often that they think they're, you know... You know it, it, it's become a, a thing which really pisses me off all the time that who gets scoop for the story is as big a story on ESPN as the story itself. And then ESPN always has to tag it along by saying ESPN has confirmed a story by, you know whoever that this happened so they love they get a little carried away with themselves but the little self-importance of you know reporting and who scoops everything yeah um you know the end of the day no one cares uh so i mean like we can go right into some stars here um evan ingram really came to play and it's a good thing because the wide receiver core did not show up i mean not that you'd really expect much but (laughs) but he was a guy who was gonna have to do something and he played really well i mean he had five catches for 82 yards i believe he had eight targets um, and he had one touchdown, which was a, on a nice little pick play with Roger Lewis, and his longest was for 26 yards. He really, he really is starting to blossom and show his open field running and stuff like that. Yeah, well, I mean, now he's going to have his opportunity. He's going to be kind of cross-trained as like a, almost like a hybrid wide receiver while everyone is down. He's just going to, you know, this experience is going to be invaluable when, when the big guns get back next year. So it's, it's nice to see. You know, that's what we need him for right now is to – Catch the ball. We're not going to worry about his blocking right now. We need a receiver, a, a guy that Eli can rely on. So it was really, uh, really helpful to see. Yeah. Um, I mean, the other the other really big thing on offense, and we can get into this a little bit, but uh, Orleans Darkwa really showed up today, uh, today this week. Um, he had 21 attempts for 117 yards. It's like the first time this team has put up 100 yards with one rusher in forever. Uh, it feels like definitely this year. Um, yeah. It goes back to last year. Um, well, there's, there's been a lot of people saying that, you know, he's probably the best running back we have on this roster and uh, should be the starter. And, you know, he definitely stepped up Sunday. That's for sure. Well, I mean, there's more to it than that. I mean, and I don't know how much of this has to do with Mike Sullivan taking over, how much of this has to do with the fact that the wide receivers on this team have like a combined game experience of about everything Roger Lewis has. But you know, there's the fact that he ran for 21 times, Wayne Gallman ran for nine times, and Shane Vereen ran for one time. That you know, <clears throat> 31 attempts rushing is the most we've had all year. There was a oh, genuine yeah. commitment but, to the run this week. Well, it's almost a necessity. But the thing is, you know, the defense is expecting it, and the fact that he was impressive in his in his runs and his carries just speaks to him. You know, I mean, you know, if if Paul Perkins is the guy running the ball 31 times or 21 times. What is he doing? Yeah. You know, so, you know, uh, Gallman, I don't think he's ready for that kind of load yet to be a, a, a featured back. And, you know, he uh, he stepped up when he had to step up. Yeah. And, you know, we were giving him credit because he has the stat line and he showed, you know, he hit the hole hard as he always does. He just kind of runs right at where the hole is supposed to be and hopefully it opens up when he gets there. But uh, he showed up when it counted. I mean, there was the – the, the point at which the, I think we had a goal line stand towards the end of the game. And I was legitimately worried we were about to see a safety with somebody like Von Miller on the other side of the ball, even though he was mostly neutralized by Justin Pugh all night. But in that exact moment, he just busted out some 20-yard run right up the gut. Uh, yeah. 
And, you know, a lot of that is going to be – it can't be ignored that the offensive line played a huge part in that. This is a great defense that they played, and they they busted the shit out of them. I mean, I, there's no other way to say it. Von Miller was mostly a non-factor. His name was called sure. once on a sack that was mostly a coverage sack. Um, there were a couple other sacks. They all felt like coverage sacks to me. I mean, even Eric, Eric Flowers even did pretty well. Um, I'm still not going to apologize for, you know – what we consider good enough for him but uh yeah i mean they were raving about him on the broadcast you know just like he's you know his, his leg work was good and he was doing what he needed to do so see know. i full disclosure i tried to watch the broadcast the stupid nfl game pass is like not working so i have yet to actually watch the broadcast of this game i've only seen clips and highlights Oh, so you missed Al Michaels' great uh, Harvey Weinstein joke. Oh, God, I missed that. But, I mean, in the highlights, it's just so unexcited sounding. God, I just really don't like him doing football. I feel like well, he's it was just, kind of, uh, I don't know. Eh, you know, it's just not a very exciting game. I mean, if from a, you know, it's exciting for us because we were very impressive in a performance we didn't expect. But that's kind of a blah game. You know, there, you know. I think couple, just the couple, general shock of it all was just exciting. I mean, yeah, not, not and, just to me. I mean, to the league. And also, that stadium on TV did not seem. I, mean, I don't know if it was the way they mic'd it up or whatever, but you know, I know that place is loud. It just did not have that sense on. It didn't translate on TV to being super loud. I don't think NBC, you know, mics their 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 stuff the way like Fox does or something, which makes a real effort to get the sounds of the game you, you might be right but i can also tell you at the point at which uh jack rabbit had his pick six at that point the the air in that stadium was just sucked out it was you know <clears throat> there was a lot of bronx cheering going on um you know most of the noise was by me and my friend i mean we we're banging on the aluminum behind us and, <laughs> and i mean it was probably the biggest jerk i've ever been at a game in my life but i i couldn't even believe what i was watching right right <laughs> um I was having too good a time. Just I couldn't let it go. But yeah, I definitely think that. So, what do you think of this latest uh, incarnation of the offensive line? The way you know we uh, we came out and you know how do you think it did? Well, I mean, the offensive line played really well. Eli got sacked what maybe three times. Yeah, we think those are covered sacks. They looked like covered sacks to me, and a lot of that is going to have to do with the fact that you don't have Beckham out there, and you know uh, Odell Beckham gets a lot of uh praise for his ball catching ability as he should but i think the best thing that he does is his route running i mean when he beat casey hayward last week people look oh yeah he will he was wide open he destroyed casey hayward yeah. with a double move I, that's all he, his he made work. himself wide open yeah. yeah that was not a busted coverage that wasn't i mean it was a busted coverage i guess but it wasn't an accident that he got that open he's that good and you know those are the kind of things that eli was working without you know he doesn't have anybody with a real size advantage out there um, he doesn't have anyone who's an exquisite route runner, um, you know, like and Sterling he, and Shepard. Frankly, he doesn't have other than uh, even Ingram is still kind of learning. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a connection with these guys yet. Yeah. I mean, those those throws, a lot of those times that Roger Lewis or you know Rudolph in in the fall may have been to Josh Johnson or yeah. Alex or Geno Smith or you know Davis Webb. So how many actual times that Eli actually work on their timing with these guys together. Probably Not just much. this week, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, so as far as the offensive line, I, I don't know. 
For this year, I think the idea of moving Pew out there when there's a dangerous speed rush on that side is a good idea. I don't think it's smart to completely give up on Bobby Hart yet. I still think Justin Pugh's best position is left guard, and I think the future for Justin Pugh is at left guard. So, I mean, if they're looking to move on from Bobby Hart towards the end of this year, they really should not be looking to upgrade the guard position and keep Justin Pugh outside, in my opinion, even though he's good there. Um, I just think he's so much more... I mean, why... Why downgrade at a position when you could just upgrade at one? That's well, it depends that's kind on, of I guess you know what do you pay? How much you have more do you pay for a, a right tackle than you do a left guard? They would probably make more money. Yeah, so that's that's that would be a consideration because again, if you're going to have to you know re-sign Pew and you know Westberg's out there, uh, Richburg's out there, you know, money is going to is going to play into this thing. Yeah, and if and if this. Let's not fool ourselves. We don't don't think about the playoffs with this team. This team could still end up being four and twelve or three and thirteen. It's, it's highly and, likely, <laughs> right? So I mean, we don't know what kind of salary situation we're going to be in next year. We, if we have a salary dump, we're going to have a lot of dead money on the cap. It's going to limit what we can do in free agency. Well, I think, so, I think who is cut and who stays. A lot of that is going to have to do with what the the dead money hit is. I mean, I don't absolutely. think that this this. Everybody hates Jerry Reese, and it's a really easy target to hate your GM for whoever doesn't show up to play and you know is injured all the time or something. But they are very good with their cap management with the dead money. They have not really cut loose from anybody that left them with a huge cap hit. Um, right. So I, I think that even if guys aren't performing, yep. they're going to stay on the roster. And- right. I mean, it, it depends on the assessment of this team after if they end up three and thirteen. You know, of course, yeah. How, how much they feel. You know, do they feel that the Eli era is over and they need to, you know, that might necessitate a whole round of, of cuts that maybe the record didn't indicate. So Yeah, I mean I, I, I watched a, <laughs> a quick little wrap up um from four guys on NFL network, uh, and what they thought of the game just because I mean, it was so sensational to see this team beat the Broncos is ridiculous. But yeah. uh I think it was Mike Silver said something stupid that like well, I mean, like, okay, yeah, we're not making the playoffs. That's fine. Um, they're going to get a high draft pick. But he said something ridiculous that this was Eli's last year. Does it really look like it's Eli's last year? I don't think I've seen him play this well in a couple I of thought, years. I thought that was in reference to last year at the Giants because I think Mike Florio threw out like something in passing about maybe Green Bay may try to get him because Aaron Rodgers is out. How are they going to get him? That's, that, that, that's the first thing I said. It's like what are they He has spend? a no-trade clause. Who, Eli? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, first of all, Green Bay doesn't make trades. They build everything like 98% of their roster is built from free from uh, the draft. And also, what are they going to have on their cap? $45 million in two uh, quarterbacks? Remember, Aaron Rodgers comes back next year. Yeah. So they're not going to trade for a guy who has another year left. And Eli is not going to sit on the bench next year making, you know, $18, 20000000 million. It's, that's, that's about as ridiculous as – you know, uh, cap management you could possibly be. So that was really stupid when I heard that. But I mean, like I said, he has a no trade clause in his contract. They would have to void his contract, essentially cut him, and then you know re-sign him to have him traded unless or he, whatever. Unless it's he just, decides it, he wants to go. I mean, yeah, people. I, you know, to me, it's just such a silly thing. That's such a that's such a oh, yeah. fan. It's a silly concept. Immediate reaction. Like as soon as right. you hear the news, broken collarbones. Like who's out there? Eli Manning. We we could get Eli Manning. No, you can't. A. B. He's not going to go. C. Keep dreaming. D. I'm sorry it happened, but 
you know, it's it's the now, end for Aaron Rodgers this year. Just just deal with it. It it, it sucks, but it happens. I mean, you know, teams like you know, like New England have always had like that backup quarterback in place, whether it was you know Garoppolo or whoever. Um, you know, in case that ever eventuality happened, they didn't go out and all of a sudden try to get you know the best of the best. Now I can see Eli. You know, this Jacksonville thing is another popular one. You know, in the Twitterverse, you know, reuniting with Coughlin and everything. That I could possibly see happening if if this team all of a sudden tanks out at three and thirteen and by mutual decision, Eli wants is going to move on. I could see Jacksonville as a landing place, perhaps. But like I said, you're talking about an end of the year thing versus oh, of course, a mid season yeah. switcheroo. It's just oh not, no, Eli's not, not going anywhere during the season. Yeah. No way. I mean, there's there's one other thing. I mean, I want to touch on the offense before we move to the defense. Uh, yeah, I know Mike Sullivan took over the play calling, and people were very happy about that. And it just so happened that they also destroyed one of the better defenses and stuff. But this offense still had a lot of struggles, and it failed to do a lot in the second half. Well, it's one dimensional now. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it's just you know before people get too crazy about Mike Sullivan being the savior of this team, um, you know, I I know what happened. I was there. I saw it. Um. But I saw a lot of the same stuff. You know, I don't think, I don't think a ton changed in the switch from McAdoo to Sullivan. I think, um, I think there were changes. I think there was a the opening script was a lot better. Uh, the the offense came right out and moved the ball well. But yeah. you know, at the end of the day, the second half, the the offense did very very little. Um, well, the bigger question again, we're talking about lack of talent out there and depletion of talent, but. Does this switch to Sullivan just make McAdoo a better overall head coach? Is it does he have a chance to reflect on things for, you know, half a second where he had zero chance because he was nose was dirt, you know, so deep into the uh, the play sheet. Yeah. So that's where the value of this is. As much as you know, a different pair of eyes calling plays. I think it's you know it's freeing up your head coach to be a true head coach. Yeah, and in that regard, you'd be probably be able to tell better than me if you watched the broadcast and I was just there live. I mean, was there anything that looked like a questionable head coaching decision? No, not really. Yeah. I mean, nothing, nothing really stood out. But you know, maybe it's something where he can go over and talk to somebody where, sure, you know, subtle things like that where he couldn't do before because he was thinking about the next play. The defense put on quite a show. I was, I, you know, I know Trevor Simeon sucks, but you know, this is not a bad team. Um, and Demarius Thomas, I think, is the the better eighty eight in the uh, in the league here. I mean, we could talk about how Jenkins shut down Des Bryant all we want, but I really think Des Bryant is one of the most overrated guys, and Demarius Thomas does not get of nearly course. as much airtime and really should. Uh, yeah. And that being said, Jenkins was a little bit embarrassed. Uh, he had a really embarrassing pass interference deep down the field at one point where he just he just clearly had no idea where the ball was, no idea where Thomas was, and he just jumped up and collided with him. It was yeah. that that was that was the ugliest yeah. Jen- Jenkins play in in the time he's been here. Yeah, that was pretty awful. At the same time, it was a mixed bag with him. He did have the pick six and he shut down uh Thomas for a lot of the day, not most of the day, but um Yeah, know. well I mean these guys didn't get theirs. I mean, it's yeah. no matter how good you are as a cornerback, you're going to probably lose a lot of battles as much as you win them too. The the ones you win and the ones that you lose really badly are, you know, they stick out like store thumbs, but you know, it happens. That's yeah. the rules are set up for the offense. They're not set up for the defense. So, you know, and they have the advantage of knowing what the route they're gonna run. You don't. But that that pick six though, that was one of those things where 
two plays before I said to my wife, you know, this is this drive is the game right here, and any hope of anything, you know, could be the end of the McAdoo era. This this drive, if they score and you know get momentum back, and we lose this game, we could free fall to wherever. So to have a turn, you know, potentially a ten point possible swing from getting them in the field position to a pick six was just I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Yeah, and like I said, that at that moment the air just left the stadium. I mean, people were sitting there with their head in their hands. It was that was that was early. It was the first half. You know, by by it the late, it was very late in the first half. Yeah. yeah, I mean, by the middle of the third quarter, the stands started emptying out. It was, it was crazy. I mean, that 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 one play really did everything. And that's primetime syndrome, man. When you're at those night games and you don't think you got it, it's like, why am I gonna sit out here in traffic for three hours? I'm getting out of here. So the defense put on a, a good show there. I mean, they held the Broncos as a team to under 50 yards rushing. That's the team where I'm used to seeing. They had four sacks, and JPP is my last star of the game. And JPP had. Three sacks, one of which was a almost a sack fumble. Um, you know, he really had to show up. Uh, you know, with Okwara out and Vernon out, it was really just him and Avery Moss and Kerry Wynn. Which, yeah. you know, I, I, I think Kerry Wynn is probably underrated by a lot of people who watch the Giants and don't really know who he is. I think Avery Moss is going to be a rising star. I mean, t- for JPP to play across from that, he really had to show up, and he definitely did. I mean, they couldn't run the ball. Trevor Simeon, you know, was running for his life a lot of the night. There were four sacks total, um, two interceptions. One was by Landon Collins. It was, oh, God, just beautiful to watch. Um, and that one was the result of pressure. I mean, Trevor Simeon just overshot him because he was can't, – you can't time things right when you're running around and you're, you're scared. So It felt like on the second drive after we got the ball and then we had a quick three and out defensively. I was this, – like this could be our night. Like something doesn't seem – right with with Denver. Yeah. Now maybe they just take they took their foot off the gas subconsciously because they're playing an 0 5 team. Probably. I don't really know, but you know, we caught them at the perfect week to catch them. Yeah, I mean, I like I said, you know, I think they they took their foot off the gas, but I think also like this is not this is probably the best 0 5 team you've ever seen. <laughs> Stop. I don't want to hear that. I I saw people throwing that around on Sunday night <laughs> before I mean, the game. I, I... Yeah. It's, it's it's true though. Like I said, this there is a stark difference between this team and the Forty ers That's true. I mean, maybe not this, anymore without Beckham but this, and whatever. But this, but. but this team is worse than it was two weeks ago because of all the injuries. Absolutely, uh, no I mean, no question. But in any case, um, the Giants won a game, twenty three ten, stunned the Broncos. It was a great game, and and even the the last seven points by the Broncos was garbage time. I mean, really, this game was over twenty three three. It was really over after that pick six. Yeah, like you said, you know the the air came out of the tires for that, and uh, you know it is. We've had a tough schedule. You know, I, I'm not making any excuses for this team, but you know that was the third, really the fourth fourth away game we've had now in six games, yeah. and they're not easy places to play. Nope, none of them. Yeah, easiest would probably Bay be was, Tampa Bay. Yeah. And even that wasn't, you know, the easiest thing in the world to well, do. Yeah, because it was and, and, shitty and, out and it was wet. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, again, is this team as bad as one in you know, one in five? Nah, eh, they're not on paper. But I would also think and this could also be fools' gold. People thinking, well, maybe no, there is no maybe. This season is over from a playoff standpoint. But absolutely. as we've talked, you know, in great lengths in the last couple of episodes. This is the opportunity for guys to really shine and 
make a longer lasting impact on this roster than just filling out, you know, you know, playing out the string for this season. Yeah. And on that note, um, the Seattle Seahawks are coming to town, uh, Sunday, 425 game. Um, yeah, we'll be back at, back at the Meadowlands. It'd be nice to get back there. Finally. I mean, I, I feel like there's been two home games. I, I've been to, um, three games so far this year. It just doesn't seem yeah. like the season should be over already. You know? Yeah. We, uh, Grump and I went to that, uh, the Monday night game, which doesn't feel like a normal game as it is. And then we both were not there for, um, Chargers game for the Charger game. So it seems like forever since we've been home. So. Yeah, I went to two. I've I've been to more road games at week six than I have at home games. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's what's looming on the horizon. Later this week, we'll have our week seven Seahawks at Giants game preview, um, yes. where we'll go over you know matchups, predictions, injuries, etc. You can find any updates of the team between episodes on Twitter. Uh, follow me at, at football underscore grump. And for all episodes of this show, at Just Giants Pod. Catch me as always at The Cranky Fan on Twitter. And follow us on our Facebook page and send us an email to JustGiantsPodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. We would love to hear from you. And you can find the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Um, subscribe to us. Give us a five-star review or actually a five-star rating. A five-star review would be nice yeah. if you want to If you want to give us a five-star rating about five-star pizza in Gainesville. Oh, free, plug, free plug for you guys down there. Um, but yeah, we'd love to, love to hear from you. You know, The more ratings and reviews to get, the more people actually hear this uh, little show of ours so we're not just talking to ourselves. So. <laughs> All right, guys. See you at the end of the week. Go Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants.